Hello everyone, this is Eva Nolik smith with Yoga You Online and I am very pleased to be here today with yoga teacher and yoga therapist Christine Carriere Weber. Christine is particularly well known in the yoga community for her commitment to getting yoga adapted as a part of the public health strategies for um, enhancing public health in this country, which is not a small goal. <laughs> and we commend you for that. And to that end, Christine, I believe you created um, one of the first uh, yoga teacher trainings for behavioral health professionals um, mm -hmm. in Asheville, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And through your um, organization, Subtle Health, you train uh, yoga teacher trainings, as well as mind-body training and clinical services for the purposes of enhancing community health infrastructure. Mm -hmm. So, Christine, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank and you, Eva. It's always nice to talk to you. Yeah, thanks for all the great work you're doing and your brilliance in always kind of exploring new ways that yoga can be applied to enhancing health and also how yeah. the wisdom of yoga integrates with cutting edge Western knowledge, which is very exciting. Yeah, it's what's exciting, so exciting to me is to see how science is catching up with yoga. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so anyway, I wanted to talk to you today about detoxification. We're in the winter months and generally speaking, we start thinking a lot more about detoxification because we're not moving very much. And it's kind of a curious thing to me that we hear so much about nutrition and the importance of what you eat. Um, and, you know, take these supplements and do this and do that. Don't eat that. Um, but we don't really hear that much about detoxification and we all know that the body has a number of ongoing detoxification functions that are essential. Yeah. But we never really pay attention to our detoxification system unless like we have a kidney failure or the liver develops problems and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. So does that mean that there really isn't anything we can do to optimize our detoxification functions and just kind of don't need to pay attention to them? <laughs> well, you know, there, there is this whole movement in the scientific yoga community about how we can't really detox with yoga. And um, to an extent, I think that's accurate from a Western medical paradigm, you know? So like your body is always doing this process of releasing toxins. And then, and then yoga people will say things like, well, sweat your toxins out or whatever. And yeah, that's inaccurate. We don't sweat our toxins out, we mostly sweat out water. Uh, toxins have to go through a process and go, they mostly leave through, you know, the normal roots of urination and defecation. Um, but to, but so, so that's accurate. However, if you're using a, a different paradigm, if you're using a yogic, a yogic chikitsa, yoga therapy, or an Ayurvedic paradigm, there's a long tradition in that paradigm of, uh, creating, uh, using different practices and creating an optimal environment for releasing toxins from your system. So it may not be that you sweat out your toxins, but 
you can support the process of releasing toxins from the system and toxins do uh, create a heavy burden on the system. And that's well known from the Western medical perspective, well known, you know, not uh, toxins in terms of uh, pollution and, and um, dangerous substances, as I've seen them called in research articles, and also toxins from the set, uh, perspective of toxic stress. And so the endogenous toxins in the system too. And so there's numerous practices that have been around for hundreds if, of years, if not longer, from the yoga tradition that are supportive in that process of, of cleansing the body. And I would say, in fact, you know, the Hatha yoga tradition really is a tradition of cleansing. Um, you know, when you look at the Hatha Yoga Pradipika, um, part of the whole process is to um, make the, purify the body, purify the body with the intention of using that to purify the subtle body, to purify the, the mind, to purify the soul, you know, to move through all the koshas of self. Um, and, uh, you know, people can, throughout the years, throughout the centuries, people have been too extreme about those cleansing practices, you know. Um, and then, or else we've ignored those cleansing, cleansing practices. But um, I think it's worth having a look into what uh, detoxification means, to, you know, in terms of the tradition, not just in terms of Western medicine, but in terms of the yoga tradition, and then uh, experimenting with some of those practices and see how they work for you. I mean, I, I think that there's, I think they're low risk for the most part. And, you know, I'm not talking about the swallowing the gauze or, you know, drinking copious amounts of water and vomiting. I'm not talking about that stuff. I'm talking about some <laughs> simple practices that I think can be really beneficial. And, um, uh, and and very uh, very much do facilitate the process of of reducing the toxic load in the system. Yeah, and it's interesting because I mean we're all familiar with uh, toxins coming from the outside, environmental toxins, and we're familiar with the um, you know byproducts of st stress, high stress levels like cortisol and so on being issues that can um, burden the system and need to kind of be, um, you know, we need to remove it through various detoxification processes. But I think just a normal natural metabolism of the body taking in food and recycling it into energy and then eliminating it, just the side products of the cellular metabolism and all the different processes of metabolism, are not always as effective as they need to be. Um, there could be, you know, right. different seasons impacted, the degree of movement we get impacted, you know, detoxification functions of the body. Our age impacts the detoxification level of the body. Yeah. And so um, it just seems like in the same way as we're conscious about how we can optimize our nutritional status, we really need to also pay attention to the, how can we enhance all those natural functions that yeah. are happening, but not necessarily always with the best efficiency. Yes, I totally agree. And, you know, I think we live in a consumer culture. And so we focus on the consumption part of, of our lives, not necessarily on the letting go part of our lives. You know, that part of it is, that part is tricky. Um, but uh, for, for a lot of people, because why do we consume and why do we, of course we consume because it's a biological imperative, but we also consume oftentimes out of psychological needs um, mm -hmm. that remain ch uh, challenging, elusive to fulfill. 
particularly in an isolating uh, culture, you know, so looking through the biopsychosocial uh, spiritual spheres of existence and not just focusing on what goes in and what comes out from a biomechanical perspective, you know, there's, is that the right word, biomechanical, from a biological perspective, you know? Right. Um, so I, I think that that's something that we have to, that, that we have to take into consideration too. Like what, why is it difficult to let go in our culture? You know, mm -hmm. why is it difficult to let go of things? So, so as I mentioned, there's these different layers of the self, according to the yoga tradition, right? It comes from the Taittiriya Upanishad, these, these koshas or layers of the self. And so it's not just about detoxifying from the physical layer of the self. And in fact, you could argue that detoxifying from those deeper layers of the self will um, affect, will reverberate into the physical structure as well. So, you know, we're not cars. We're not this, this mechanistic idea of calories in, calories out, or what goes in, what comes out. It, we're not a car, you know, <laughs> we're complex. Right. We are complex. Um, social creatures that live, you know, in, in community, in nested systems of, of, uh, of being. And because of that complexity, we have to consider all the layers of ourselves. We're talking about detoxification, not just this, this very sort of reductive uh, uh, Western idea of what goes in and what comes out. Right. So that's, that's a really, really interesting point. So you're really like, if we talk about the body as the, in terms of the kosha as the different sheets of the body, and we have the physical body, the prana body, the mental body, the wisdom body, the bliss body. Um, so you're saying that what we really should be paying attention to is detoxification on multiple levels. Yes. I mean, again, from, if you want to talk about detoxification, I think it's worthwhile to use a yogic and an Ayurvedic framework for that because the Western framework is not as um, efficient in terms of the practices, right? So that makes sense. First of all, if you're going to use a yogic uh, and an Ayurvedic framework, then it makes sense to look at causality mm -hmm. and it makes sense to look at the causal flow um, me, and you, you can start with the shariras, and I'll talk about this in the workshop, but it, it means like you can look at what, who am I as a human being and how do I heal? Mm -hmm. uh, because that's the model, right? So whatever technique you're using yeah. needs to have a model to back it up. And so in yoga, what we have are these models from the uh, Upanishad and there's models from Sankhya, there's models from these different philosophical schools and the practices are the um they they work in tangent they work in um uh, you know they work in within the framework of those models so so it makes sense to me that you're going to look at the causal flow of what we are as human beings and according to the tradition what we are as human beings is you know essentially spirit that has manifested in matter and quantum physics you know, helps us to understand this. Although I only know enough about quantum physics to be dangerous, but not in a nuclear <laughs> kind of way. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> so that, but I mean, basically it says that, you know, mind and matter, there's a relationship. They're not these separate things. There's a relationship between mind and matter. There's an interconnectedness. If we see ourselves as human beings, as coming into being from this, this spirit realm, then it makes sense that we have to look deeper into ourselves 
to find uh, the, the mechanisms for health and healing that, that lie beyond this physical, um, you know, this physical body or this, this uh, reductive perspective. So, mm-hmm. so we do have to go deeper. We have to look like, let's look at the prana body. How can we use pranic practices like pranayama, like breath-centered asanas? How do we use those practices to make shifts in the pranic body? How do we use the practices of yoga, the cognitive practices that largely have been have come to us like via the the yoga sutras, for example? How do we use those practices to make shifts in the manomaya kosha and the mental layer? And you know, and then again, how do we go deeper into practices that sing to our heart, that that reach, that touch the anandamaya, the vijnanamaya, the anandamaya parts of ourselves that touch those deeper wisdom parts of ourselves in order to let those shifts reverberate into the coarser layers of self. And that's, right. I think, I think we have to look at it from that perspective. Otherwise right. we will get criticized by the Western, uh, pe- the Western um, paradigm people because they say, oh, that is just, you know, that's just foo-foo, woo-woo, Asheville sort of, you know, <laughs> gar- garbagey stuff that doesn't, make any sense in terms of science well you know it depends on what your scientific paradigm is i would i would suggest yeah yeah that's a good point um so just to take an example of what detoxification for example on the level of the mind would look like um where it does a lot of talk about the importance of things like forgiveness and gratitude exercises is that a form of detoxification, letting go on the level of the mind of stuff that doesn't serve you anymore? Or what can you give us some examples of what exactly detoxification on the level of the Manomaya Kosha would look like? Right. So, I mean, I think there's lots of ways you can do it. Like you're, the things you were suggesting, for example, gratitude practices, compassion practices, those things. Uh, largely come from from Buddhist traditions. There's plenty of things in the tantric traditions as well, uh, and and mantra meditation because you know the as you think so you become so you you start to shift the uh, mind through mantra meditations. There's plenty of cognitive practices in the Yoga Sutras, for example, uh, Vishokava Jyotishmati, where you uh, when you're um, uh, challenged by um, a, a difficult thought that you think about its opposite. You know that's a proto cognitive behavioral therapy, essentially. I think that there, I think the tradition is full of kind of cognitive practices, but let's remember that what the scientists say is 80 to 95% of our thoughts, feelings, and behaviors largely lie beneath the level of consciousness. So that means if we want to detoxify the monomaya kosha, the mind, we're going to have to find ways to um, allow some of that unconscious stuff to, to bubble up into consciousness. Or we use the front brain to create feedback loops into the body so that the body starts to uh, shift the way that it's organized mm-hmm. and then create um, shifts in the brain. So, and how do we do that? Well, we use practices like legs up the wall to create a shift in the autonomic nervous system. And then that percolates up into the front brain and ah, I'm not as stressed out as I've been, you know, then that's just a very basic example, but you know, we, 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 we constantly in yoga, we constantly are using both top down and bottom up self-regulation strategies. So we can be conscious about that, you know, Mm -hmm. and feedback loops. It's not just one way or the other way. Yeah. 
That's such a great point. And to just make sure that it's uh, really clear, why don't you elaborate a little bit on the top down, bottom up self care strategies or yogic strategies? Um, because that's such yeah. a great point. Sure. So, well, you know, so that's from neuroscience. You have, it's basically about or neuropsych, neuropsychology, neuropsychiatry. So, how do you self regulate? You know, self regulation is the process of homeostasis, right? Becoming balanced. Uh, Patanjali said, Yoga Shtita Vritti Nirodaha. Everybody knows that yoga is the process of, um, set, you know, the ceasing of the fluctuations of the mind. Well, why do you want to do that? Well, the idea is because that creates home homeostasis. And that's because the next sutra is Tadadrashtu Swarupeya Vastanam, right? Which means that because through that process, then you can see who you truly are. But you can't see who you are. You don't have a sense of your identity until you can find homeostasis in the nervous system, in the system, right? So we find homeostasis. How do we find homeostasis? So essentially the neuroscientists say we have two directions. One is front brain uh, using affirmation, positive affirmations, cognitive reframing, all those um, wonderful aspects of executive function like rational decision-making. We use that stuff to percolate down and create, you know, control. So it's like the parent controlling the, the dysregulated child. You can think about it that way. But since we know that so many of our thoughts, feelings, and behaviors are below the level of this, we also have to have these strategies. And I like to call them, and they're bottom-up strategies, but I like to call them body-up too. Mm, the neuroscientists yeah, yeah. talk about it in terms of the brainstem. So the brainstem, the brainstem is controlling things like your breathing rate and your heart rate and your temperature. Mm. Um, so so in, in hormone, well, it's interfacing with the limbic system, but hormones. So uh, it, how is that? How do we get into that stuff? You know, how do I get into that? Well, we have the breath. That's the one autonomic function we can take conscious control over. So that gives us a little window into the autonomic nervous system and into self-regulating the body, right? Um, and then we have the reflex, which is the uh, starting to make shifts in the blood pressure depending on where your body is in space, right? So then we have yoga asana practices. We have all these different practices that start to affect the baroreflex. Again, the bottom up, it's a bottom up um, process, but we're using the front brain to make the bottom up happen. So it's always feedback loops, you know? Right, right. Um, so so that's a, those are basic ideas in the um, neuroscience world of top down and bottom up. And yoga uses both of them all the time, particularly if you define yoga as the four process tools of, of um, ethics, ethical engagement, which again, powerful cognitive strategy for self-regulation, and then asanas, and then pranayama, and then meditation, right? Mm -hmm. if, you, if you have that holistic, systemic perspective on the practices, and you have that whole toolbox, then you know what you're going to be able to use to help create balance, or you at least have you know, a good ballpark that some things are going to work and some things aren't going to work as well. And I have lots of options. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent point. And um, just getting back to um, detoxification on the level of the physical body, um, most of us, you know, tend to think about heavy duty cleanses like fasting or drinking 
um, lemon water or you're taking purgative laxatives. Um, Panchakarma, right? Panchakarma. Um, but yoga also has this simple concept of, you know, yoga asana as a path to detoxification. And, um, and you made reference a bit in the beginning to the controversy about the benefits of yoga for detoxification because, yes, uh, a lot of people say, well, you know, saying that, for example, twisting postures are helping uh, detoxifying the body, that's an exaggerated claim that is not founded in uh, science. Yeah. yeah. However, my understanding of that statement is really that twisting postures can help enhance the detoxification processes, the natural functions in the body that do various detoxification functions. Is mm -hmm. that your understanding also? And if so, how, how would that come about? How would twisting postures, for example, have right. an effect like that? So I, I agree with your um, sentiments about, uh, you know, that, that, that there has been this sort of swing of the pendulum to the other side of like, no, twist postures don't detoxify you. That's not science, you know. And before it was just like, the teacher said twist poses are detoxifying. <laughs> now we have this era of the internet. There's no research that I know of that's okay right. about a twist pose helping to detoxify your body. So, so it, these are a good point. Like it's good for us to use our jnana shakti, our, you know, our desire for knowledge and to use our, our critical thinking skills to suss out whether or not this stuff is accurate. I totally, I totally understand that and, val and value that. And then, then there's the issue that we tend, because we're Westerners, you know, we swim around in this thinking structure that we're not even aware of. It's like a fish swimming in water and not being aware of the water. And, and so part of the thinking structure that we swim around in is this idea that postures are like pills. You know, if I have, um, if I have, if I'm toxic and I have liver disease, I'll do a twist pose. Or if I, you know, whatever you hear, like, oh, if I'm, if I have anxiety, I'll do a forward bend. You know, you hear those kinds of um, ideas and and it's because of our tendency as Western people to or or Eastern people that bought into the Western uh, paradigms, the Western scientific materialism paradigms. It's because of our tendencies to uh, want to know through a reductive analysis that we bump up against these issues. You know, so okay. so of course there's no research on Matsyendra Asana fixing your liver like it like maybe eventually we'll get to that place but how do you contextualize matsyandrasana you know even the the claims really defy the scientific method you know this like you can't really do an rct on on matsyandrasana a, a randomized control trial you know i mean like how do you do that you know <laughs> so how do you contextualize what you're doing with a twist and are you using it in a way that helps to create a massage in the internal organs that creates more of a soothing feeling to the nervous system or a soothing bias to the nervous system that maybe starts to um, shift some of the subluxations in the spine to shift what's going on in the nerve. I mean, there's so many possibilities of what that posture could be doing and how it could be benefiting. Yeah. 
The old squeeze and soak principle, I think, applies. That squeeze and soak thing, you know, it's a metaphor. <laughs> so if we can look at things like, okay, metaphorically, there's something interesting there, then we don't have to have this hard, this sort of hard, rigid attitude, like, no, the yogis were wrong. You know, I mean, this, these practices are perennial. They've been around for thousands of years. They've helped thousands, millions of people. So, you know, I, I, I don't think we have to be so rigid about it. We're not claiming, I'm not claiming that I can, um, uh, that, that I can adhere to a Western scientific framework in these claims. And I would also suggest that the Western scientific medical model is largely insufficient when it comes to treating most of the chronic diseases that plague our culture. And therefore, if we have other possibilities and things that can be helpful for people, practices, frameworks, mm -hmm. theoretical frameworks, models, mm -hmm then why not look to that if we're going to help alleviate suffering? Um, so I think we have to be really careful with this conversation and, and um, making, and we have to be very careful about not making superlative hyperbolic claims about yoga. And at the same time, we all see it. I mean, you just have to go teach a class and everybody's like, oh my God, I feel so much better. So, you know, yeah. it does work, but we don't necessarily have subtle enough tools yet to measure the effectiveness or measure the mechanisms of how it works. I think, though, in terms of understanding possible mechanisms, there's one thing that both Western science and yogic science agrees on, and that's the importance of circulation. That of circulation. You know, uh -huh. Circulation is, you know, in the Western science framework, you know, it's the flow of lymph, it's the flow of blood, it's the flow of nerve information. And when circulation gets, you know, impeded in one area of the body, problems arise. Mm -hmm. And yoga has the same concept in terms of, um, you know, the uh, many, many numerous different channels through which subtle mm -hmm. energy flows, the nadis. Mm -hmm. um, and Vayu. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so you can say that a simple framework for understanding how yoga poses could help facilitate detoxification is by sure. um, enhancing circulation, removing stagnation, helping the body get rid of waste uh, toxins, waste products from the cellular metabolism by, you know, making us move and be in postures and challenge the body in ways we don't usually challenge it. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great point. And I think it's um, just a tiny little peek behind the curtain of what's going on um biopsychosocially when we practice you know yeah. because there's social engagement stuff going on that's affecting the nervous system there's movement that's affecting the nervous system the circulatory system the respiratory system the immune system i mean the hormonal system all of that stuff is being affected uh but as i said Perhaps the tools of science aren't subtle enough to really be able to measure this stuff yet, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but that's not, that doesn't, just because we can't measure it yet doesn't mean it's not valid and it's not happening. <laughs> right, right. That we are doing something that's on, maybe on the exper experimental fringe. And if you are the kind of person who has the mindset of just like, I only want to do what's evidence-based, that's fine. There's plenty of evidence-based stuff going on out there too in the yoga world. Mm -hmm. 
do that, you know? So, um, so I think it's, I think it's, I think we're in these um, waters that are difficult to navigate at this point. uh, But, but experientially, empirically, there's, there's evidence, you know, there's, there's, there's um, people have experiences and, many people have changed many health conditions by using these practices. Yeah, yeah, very good point. Yeah. Great. Um, last but not least, um, you have a course on Yoga U uh, on, about this topic, applying yoga for facilitating detoxification in the body. Uh, could you tell us a little bit more about the course and what you'll be covering? Sure. So um, I'm really excited. Thank you for asking me to do this course. And um, I'm going to, it's going to be two webinars and then there are six short practices. So the practices are about reducing, the first one is about reducing ALMA, which is um, an Ayurvedic term for toxins. So reducing the toxic load in the system. The second one is about improving the digestive fire, the Agni. Uh, The third one is about um, harnessing the the digestive power of the relaxation response. The fourth one is about promoting natural detoxifying processes with yoga. The fifth practice is about the pranic body, detoxifying the energy body. And then the six week practice is about detoxifying the mind and diminishing that urge to retox. Sometimes people are into the detox retox thing. So why do we get toxic in the first place? Now, of course, not much of that toxicity is around uh, environmental toxins. So it's not just you know, because we're doing bad things, but, but there's that too. (laughs) So, so, uh, so addressing that. And then the lectures will kind of break those down into two areas. So we'll be looking at, you know, looking at the nervous system, looking at the, um, uh, looking at toxins in the body or what we could call endogenous toxins. We'll also look at exogenous toxins. So what comes to, what comes into us from outside. And then of course the big, the big emphasis is on what practices can be useful to create more homeostasis, you know, to, to let go of what needs to be released and then create better homeostasis in the entire system. So I think that's a kind of a basic rundown. Right, right. Yeah. Else I'm missing from that. Yeah, no, very, very interesting. I, I, Particularly uh, the concept of AMA, I think, is such a great um, universal description for, I guess, what Ayurveda considers the origin of most diseases. Is that correct? That's what they say in Ayurveda, yeah, that it's the origin of most of our diseases. And and it creates a heavy burden on the system and not just on the physical body, but also on the mind. So um, we will talk about some like daily um sometimes people call it dinacharya these sort of like daily yoga lifestyle practices that can be really helpful for um you know reducing that load um but not uh excessively because you do have to be careful of this idea of excessive detoxing it's it's not healthy you know it takes you into um uh, a place of vulnerability in some ways so for some people in their constitutions yeah right right yeah for sure sure Wonderful. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And I will very much look forward to your course. Yeah, me too, Eva. So nice to see you. Yeah, you too. (laughs) Take care. Okay. Namaste.